Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. What does the word love mean to you? What role has love played in your life? What's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well. Very excited for today's episode with Zach and Jeremy of the Fit Mess podcast. Um, This conversation between us is absolutely phenomenal and very emotional. So I'll I'll preface this conversation with, I I got choked up a couple of times about the, the beauty of growth 
that people can have when they're willing to step into this journey. And in this conversation, I ask questions about fatherhood, about being a man, about being about love, about things that I've, I've never really asked on this show before. And it was so moving to hear their perspective, two men with two very different backgrounds who are on a mission to kind of break down those walls of toxic masculinity. And so if you are a person who listens to this and you're like, I know a man in my life who needs to hear this today, please send them this because this conversation is absolutely breathtaking. Um, if not for time, I, I think this could have been a three hour conversation, which I, I know I'm going to have them back already. Um, and so as you get into this conversation, I, I welcome you to, to step into it with some compassion for yourself today, probably first and foremost, and recognizing that just like us, you are trying to just figure this game called life out day in and day out. And, you know, we make mistakes, we screw up, we, we fall down, but to, to find resiliency, to tough it out, to not negotiate with yourself, to give yourself grace, compassion, and love. Like that is, those are the cornerstones for what is next in your life. And again, I want to invite you to check out our Discord and join the Think Unbroken community. If you go to thinkunbroken.com slash Discord, uh, we do live coaching over there. It's a community app. It's a place where we come together. Uh, that's thinkunbroken.com slash Discord. And you can check out Zach and Jeremy at the Fit Mess, M-E-S-S, fitmess.com. And without further ado, my friends, let's get into the show. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Welcome to the Think Unbroken podcast. I'm your host, Michael Unbroken, and this podcast is about helping trauma survivors let go of the past, overcome their fear, discover their identity, become the hero of their own story, and ultimately to be unbroken. Our goal in company is to bring on guests and experts in the fields of mental, physical, and psychological health to help you overcome the past, to take back your power. And in this podcast, we are unedited and unfiltered, and we're going to give it to you real so that you can start to create massive change in your life. If you're curious about learning more outside the podcast, you can get a free copy of my book, Think Unbroken, at book.thinkunbroken.com. That's book.thinkunbroken.com, where you can get a copy of my number one bestselling book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma. The most important thing that you can ever do, my friends, is show up for yourself, and that's where you are today. And I appreciate you. I have massive gratitude for you. And without further ado, let's get into the show. We'll be right back to the show. But before we do, I want to take a moment and tell you about my new book, Unbroken Man, A Man's Guide to Being the Hero of Their Own Story. I sat down a few months ago and realized that there are so many men in the world that need guidance, that need support, that need to learn about trauma, removing themselves from toxic masculinity, breaking down the barriers to vulnerability, getting unstuck, and ultimately learning the tools to become the hero of their own story. Unbroken Man is available for pre-order right now if you go to men.thinkunbroken.com where you'll also get access to over $1,000 in bonuses, including the six-week in-depth trauma healing coaching app, which you'll get instant access to. I created Unbroken Man to be accessible to everyone around the world, but it is written for men from the guise of a man, and I hope that you will find it to be a practical tool on your healing journey in the same way that thousands of men around the world have. So check out men.thinkunbroken.com to pre-order, and until next time, be unbroken. 
Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. Very excited to be back with you with another episode with my guests, Jeremy and Zach, who are the host of the Fit Mess Podcast. Jeremy and Zach, my friends, what is up? How are you today? Oh, it's so excited to be here, man. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It really means a lot. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. We appreciate it. We're doing really well. How are you doing today? Yeah, phenomenal. You know, dragging a little bit. Uh, six planes in eight days will do that. Oh, but we still up anyway. Um, I do not negotiate with my goals. So that said, guys, super excited to be here with you. I had the distinct privilege of being a guest on your show. Probably the best interview I've ever been on, and I appreciate that greatly. So hopefully that'll be reciprocated here. For those who do not know you, tell us a little bit about your backstories and how you got to where you are today. When it comes to my wellness journey, it really started with an injury, right? Like I, it was the dumbest injury you've ever heard of. I, I got out of bed and rolled over on my knee and couldn't get up. And it was just the dumbest thing. And started going to the doctor trying to figure out how am I going to walk on this thing? What happened? I don't know. Physical therapist after physical therapist, specialist. And everybody's like, I don't know. Uh, but eventually uh, I met up with the right physical therapist and she was asking about my family uh, history and did my parents have issues with their, with their knees? And, you know, my mom did. My mom had knee replacements. And the physical therapist said, you know, if you, if you want to end up like your mom, keep doing what you're doing. That's fine. That you'll, you'll just go down the same path. But if you want to change your life, if you want to not do that, you need to get on a bike and just start pedaling. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to reform your knees in a way that's going to keep them healthier longer. And so I immediately thought, well, fuck, I'm not a six-year-old boy. How am I going to do that? That sounds ridiculous. <laughs> And I went and complained to my brother because that's what I did with everything in my life. Oh, this is going to be hard. What do I do? And he changed my life. He literally just said, man, you just got to decide. You're that weird guy that gets on his bike and bikes to work every day. You just got to do it. You just have to decide you're that guy now. And it was like he literally handed me a hat that I put on and went, oh, I can, I can wear that hat. I, I'm used to being the weird guy. Now I'm just adding a bike. No big deal. Literally within a week, I got on Craigslist, I bought a bike and uh, started biking nine miles to work every day. And the weirdest thing happened in, in that journey because I would be on that bike and for that 45 minutes every day, I had no choice but to focus on that moment and staying alive in that moment. Because if I, if I started thinking about the future or the stupid shit I said when I was 12 or whatever stuff normally rolls around in my head, I'm going to get hit by a car and I'm a dead man. So in that, in, in that moment, I found peace, just focusing on be here now, just survive this and worry about the other stuff later. And I just fell in love with it. So I went to my wife one day and I said, how do I do more of this? How do I bring more of that presence into my life? And she said, I don't find a therapist. Fuck, I don't know. So I did. I found a therapist right down the street from me and he completely changed my life. He introduced me to meditation and just started explaining it, how, that how through meditation and through being in, being in the moment, you take all that chaos. It's, it's that swirling glass of muddy water. And instead of shaking it around and hoping that one day you'll see through it, you just set it down and let it all calm. And then suddenly the clarity is there. And I just ate it up. I just could not get enough of this stuff. I started meditating. I read, read every book on meditation. I watched all the documentaries. And just everything I've done since then has been about trying to become more present and be more aware of the moment and, and what I'm doing in the moment and how those moments add up to the man and the life that I want to be. It's powerful. Thank you. Zach. Yeah. <clears throat> so my story, my story really started the day I was born with a, a really uh, negligent mother. Um, 
I was I was taken away from my mother by CPS when I was six um, because I got caught stealing food from the store because there was no food in the house and I was six years old and she would leave for four or five days at a time and that that was my that was my early childhood which I thought was pretty normal I thought that's how all kids grew up that was that was the thing um, so that really set me off um, early on with a lot of anxiety issues um, emotional eating and just all kinds of things. Uh, and led to the point where by the time I was 22, I was 300 pounds. I ate at McDonald's every day. My best friend was a manager at a McDonald's, so I got free food. So that was super easy and convenient and loved it. Um, but that stuff is terrible every day. I drank a two liter of Mountain Dew every single day. Um, smoked two packs of cigarettes a day. Never really, I wasn't a big drinker, but um, when I did drink, I would go really, really hard and it would hurt me for weeks. Um, and I got my first job out of college and, you know, I smoked cigarettes and it was so interesting. I was so unhealthy. I was so, I couldn't even, I couldn't even, you know, go up a flight of stairs without, um, being winded, but I got my first job and I got it by wearing a nicotine patch to go to the interview. So I didn't smell like smoke. And my very first day at the job, my boss looked at me and said, you smoke cigarettes. I would have never hired you if I had known that you smoked. I was like, Oh, so for me, like that was like a moment for me of my professional career is going to suffer because of these things. So I quit and it's easy to say that was probably one of the hardest things I ever did in my entire life. Um, and then interestingly enough, like the next week, uh, work also announced that they were going to do a 5k in the summer and they were going to let everyone leave early for the day. And I was like, Oh, I get to leave work early. If I go run a 5k, Oh, that's fantastic. I can do this. Um, so I went, I signed up for it and then I went to a track. I got like a quarter of the way around the track and I fell over and I, I just, and I wasn't running fast. I was like maybe walking fast, just terrible, terrible shape. Um, fast forward a year, like I, I did the race. I did pretty well. Fast forward a year and I was getting, you know, Christmas presents from my family with running gear because I was just running all the time and I was losing a ton of weight that was 20 years ago. And, you know, since then I've gone and done little change after little change, after little change, after little change. And the weight has melted off and all of my mental issues that I had with anxiety and depression that, you know, built up over the years, they've reduced. I still struggle with them and I still work on them, but I've learned all these tools and techniques, um, to keep myself healthy, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. So, you know, my story is long, but now at the age of 42 years old, I feel okay now. And I've, I think I fixed most of the stuff, but I got a little ways to go. Yeah. And who doesn't, you know, I, I look at my life. I mean, you talk about a parallel unbroken nation knows my story, 25 years old, 350 pounds, smoking two packs a day, drinking myself to sleep, working some bullshit corporate job. I hated look, I get it. And, and I think that's such a, first off, congratulations to, to both of you for being willing to ultimately do that thing that we have to do and be the hero of our own story. I think so frequently that the, the entirety of this show, why I do this, why I commit, why I write the books, why all of this exists is, you know, because somewhere along this line, I'm going to assume both of you needed help. And, and what I want to talk about where I kind of want to start this conversation is both a, how did you come together? And then B, what is 
as men, especially in this context, and of course, obviously we have a ton of female listeners, but as men, especially in this conversation, what is, what has it been like asking for help in your life? Well, so Jeremy and I met through our, through our wives, um, who formed the bond. We, we both have, uh, daughters who are, I think within four months of each other and our wives met through a running club and they, they scheduled a, a breakfast and Jeremy and I both showed up and, you know, it was that classic moment where I was like, Hey, and he was like, Hey, and we were very both kind of like standoffish and we didn't really know what to say. And, um, that was the first time we met. And like, since then, like over the years, like we really, um, I was really helping myself and fixing myself from a mental and physical standpoint. And I started sharing some of that journey with Jeremy and started, you know, opening up about the vulnerability, um, that I was putting forth on myself and, and, and fixing myself. And that's really how we connected. And since, we started talking about things and just being vulnerable with each other. Um, we just said one day, this really needs to be out there. Like other guys need to be having these conversations. And um, that's how our show started. And Jeremy, maybe you want to put a little more color on that. Yeah. I mean, Zach was uh, a couple of years, a couple of steps ahead of me on this journey. He had lost a ton of weight and I was in the middle of trying to lose a ton of weight. And yeah, we, we met and, and I've never been a small talk guy. I, I don't do well with man. Did you catch the game last night? Or, you know, how about the, how about that local sports franchise? They sure are hitting it, aren't they? It's just not my thing. So I always sort of gravitate to people that are willing to go a little deeper and be a little, a little bit more raw and, and vulnerable. And it was, Zach was the one that was willing to, to sort of put that out there first. And was sort of sharing some of the stuff that he'd done. I think because I had probably shared that I, you know, had been biking and was kind of on this path and discovering some things and, and he shared what he was going through. And I, I'll never forget. There was one morning we were camping and we woke up and, and we're sitting by the fire and he's talking about all this weight that he lost and he holds up his phone and he shows me the graph and how it just dropped. And I was like, how did you do that? That's incredible. And he's like, Oh, the keto diet. It's, it's awesome. I started doing it. And he lost, I think at that point it was like 40 pounds or something. And, uh, and I was like, well, tell me more. And then as a vegetarian, it was, I was like, well, I can't do that. But I, I modified it in a way that uh, basically just followed his advice, just did everything that he did, but in my own way and was able to, to drop 70 pounds in like a few months. And, and so the weight just flew off. But it was, it was through these conversations where we were starting to sort of feed off of each other and the things I was doing, you know, either he tried before and it didn't work, but I was doing it in a way that he was able to adapt it and make it work for him. Or like I said, he was ahead of me. So he would, he would kind of funnel information to me. And, and I, we agreed that, that these were conversations that either men needed to be having or hearing more of to normalize that it's okay for guys to say, this shit is hard. Like, taking care of yourself, stepping up, showing up for yourself, facing your fears, facing your trauma, putting all that stuff behind you, implementing all these tools and tactics to try and get past that shit so you can live a more rewarding life. That's, that's way deeper than how are the Mariners doing? And a lot of guys don't want to go there. So we, we agreed after, you know, he had to pull my teeth and, and make me do it because I, I, you know, I don't have the degree on the wall that says, Hey, I'm certified to teach you the thing or two, but I have some life experience and I've done some things. And so, through through a lot of pushing and prodding, he finally convinced me that we should open up the mics and uh, and share our struggles and, and our experiences in hopes that we could help other people the way that we've helped each other. 
Yeah, that's that's powerful. And I was doing some rough math. Let's be clear. I don't have a high school diploma, so this will be all over the place. Um, and accumulatively, we've lost over 350 pounds, right? Just as the, the three of us sitting yeah. here. And the thing that I think to myself in that is, you know, people will have this moment of, all right, I'm going to do this. I don't know if you agree with this or not, Zach, but I, I quit smoking a thousand fucking times. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I quit all of the chaos of my life a thousand times. <laughs> and, and, you know, I used to be like, all right, I'm motivated. Dude, I could get so motivated for eight minutes and then tomorrow <laughs> would come. And I'd be like, oh, shit. I just, I can't. Wow. What purpose has motivation served in your lives independently and what are your thoughts with it that's a big question um i mean I, i'll you're absolutely right i i for I'll, I'll go back to the cigarette smoking like i quit so many times and the repercussions of me quitting um sometimes led to my wife to come and throw a pack of cigarettes at me and say you need to smoke these because you're being an asshole so Yes, that was, that was really, really hard. And I, I, you know, early on, I had like a couple of moments that to me felt like rock bottom. Um, you know, the, the instant, the, the story I told about not getting my job, if I, if he had known I smoked, my career was really important to me at the time. And it still is important in a very different way now, but it was so important to me that I kind of hit a rock bottom at that point in my life. And that was the motivation like I needed. I, I didn't want to be down there at the bottom. And that was the time that I successfully quit smoking. All of the other times that I tried, I didn't have a good why. I didn't have a good reason. It was just, I think these things are bad for me and I shouldn't do it. Um, and then going forward, every major decision I've made, every everything that I've taken on since kind of getting out of that rock bottom I try to remind myself of what it was like to be in rock bottom and remember, you know, being down there. And that actually fuels my motivation and helps me get off my ass and take on the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. And now it's kind of morphed into this. I love changing into the next thing. Now my motivation is I've made all of these huge changes and now I get to do something else and something else and something else. And in five years, I'm going to look back and see, all of this progress and journey and just really enjoy the journey. Um, so my motivation has changed early on. It was really just kind of getting out of rock bottom and staying out of rock bottom. And now it's how far can I go? And I've really changed my relationship with motivation this year, really. I mean, the beginning of the year and, and I have our show to thank, but I spent this last six months of last year complaining to Zach about how much I hate the gym. Don't want to go. I don't want to look back on my life and all the hours I wasted lifting stupid, heavy things in the gym because what a waste of life, blah, 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 all the excuses I needed. And then we interviewed, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Tony Horton, the, the creator of the P90X workouts, a big deal in early 2000s. And knowing I was going to interview him, I was like, well, I better go do a stupid workout because, you know, I need to, I need to know something about this guy. I got to do my homework. Right. So I started doing his workout for like a few days before we started talking to him. And all of a sudden I kept, I it was like, I'm craving this. Like I, I want to go back this, this, I feel good. I, and I can just, I, I realized later the, the problem I had with the gym was walking into a room where I had no idea what to do. I had no plan. I had no idea what I was supposed to do there. 
other than lift heavy things. But then I would just spin out on, am I being efficient? Is this the right thing? Is this even what I need to be doing right now? Am I going to hurt myself? And when I could just turn on his video and go, oh, do what the funny little man on the screen tells me to do. Well, I'm in. I can do that. I can, I can zone out all day long. So then I realized I keep waiting for motivation. I keep waiting for it to show up on my door and, and escort me to the gym and, and do all the heavy lifting for me. And I figured out it's not coming. Nobody's riding in on a white horse to save my ass. It's all up to me. So I've given up on motivation. I'm, I don't think I will ever be motivated to do anything ever again. I just have to be my own parent and say, yeah, go do it. It's hard. It sucks. Cleaning your room sucks. Going to work sucks. Paying bills, paying the rent. It all sucks. Nobody likes to do that stuff. Somehow you get out your checkbook and you do it every month. Somehow you get in the car and you go to work every day. You're not motivated. It's not fun. It doesn't feel good, but you have to do it. So just do it. It's the exact same thing with the gym. It's the exact same thing in the kitchen. It's the exact same thing as being a good dad. Just show up. The rest, the motivation becomes the habit, right? Like once you're doing the things, it's just the thing that you do every day. That's the motivation. That's, that's how you make it. You get blood on your hands by working hard. And then suddenly the motivation is just that it's just a habit. It's just the thing. It's part of who you are and what you do every day. Yeah, I, I, I agree with, with both of you. And I've, I found that in my life, motivation has moved out of any realm of possibility. I know this sounds weird. I, I think you'll understand this, but I just don't get motivated anymore. It just mm -hmm. doesn't work. And people are like, well, well, you do 365 episodes of a podcast and you're writing a couple of books this year and you're speaking all these days. I go, I don't negotiate with myself. It's just like not even fucking an option. And, and that came because I realized like, like I had had so many rock bottoms in this journey. I was looking at my life and being like, if all the things I've done have got me to here, then maybe the things that I do differently can get me to where I want to go. And on the hard days, I, I just did an episode earlier this week called the hard days. And it was like, exactly this. You just have to get up and do it anyway. And, and I think we live in a delicate space, both being in personal development and mental health, because people will often say, well, you know, just sit on the couch and relax and, you know, take it easy and take a fucking bubble bath. And I'm like, you know, the truth about it is sometimes you need that shit like a hundred percent. Yeah. But the thing I always challenge people is to ask this question, are you taking it easy on yourself? Or are you taking care of yourself? Because I assure you nine times out of 10, you just are taking it easy because the pain of the moment is so incredibly intense that you can't dare step through that and over that threshold because it feels like it's insurmountable. When 99.9% .9 of the fucking time, it's actually the very thing that you need to do to make your life better or different. You know, when I have trouble defining better, but different, can you become that person based on who you want to be by being willing to sacrifice? And that means these immediate pleasures. Like, dude, I, I had, Zach, you'll understand this, I think uh, very well. There used to be a McDonald's in the parking lot of the gym. And for <laughs> greatest they're gonna sue me one day i swear to god it's the greatest location in the history of mcdonald's and for years i would drive up there I'd sit in my car and smoke a cigarette and i'd be like all right let me just smoke this cigarette i'll go in the gym and i'd walk into the mcdonald's and then i'd walk across the street to the bar and i'd get in my car and smoke another cigarette and be like tomorrow mm-hmm 
And the thing is, there's only so many tomorrows and eventually you're going to run out. And when you do, the thing that's going to happen is you're going to die with regret because you will have a life unlived. And I believe inherently that the only way that I've been able to get to the place that I am now is I had to step into just this massive sense of vulnerability with myself. And I'm wondering if that held true for your guys' journey as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, it's for me, since we started doing the show, it's the cornerstone of of what has kept me going. There's so much, there's so many times when I'm thinking about just doing an episode of our show. And if I show up and turn on a microphone and talk about stuff that I haven't done, haven't tried, haven't, I haven't shown up in a way that is going to motivate someone else to follow my example, then why am I bothering? So, and, and it's, and it's because I'm able to be vulnerable with Zach and I'm able to be vulnerable with our audience and our community and share with them because we hear from them how much, you know, our struggle makes theirs less lonely. It makes theirs less painful because they know someone else is going through it or is leading them through what they're going through. And you don't get that by taking it easy and sitting in a bubble bath and recording from there. Like you, you got to do the work. You got to lift the heavy things and face the fears. And if you can then share how much pain that creates and you can get through it, especially with the help of somebody by your side, it's just so much more rewarding. It makes this whole experience so much more rewarding, but sitting up with your, with your feet on the ottoman and watching, you know, the 47th episode of whatever's on Netflix, you're not going to remember that. You're going to remember the hard stuff. You're going to look back on your life and you're going to remember there was a huge hill and I got over it and it made me better because all that taking it easy on yourself stuff. That's that, like you said, there's a place for it, but that's not, that's not living your life. Yeah. And, and to add to that, when I got vulnerable, the people who could help me showed up. So we talk a lot about, you know, you don't have to do this alone. You you need a coach, you need a teacher. Like if you're working out, find somebody who can help you do it without hurting yourself. When I started opening up to people and getting vulnerable, the people who could help me along my journey showed up and they were there and they were willing to help me because I was vulnerable. And in my head, like I, I really just had this feeling or or sense that if I told people how I was really feeling that I was scared of something or uh you know just emotional about something that I was going to get laughed at or picked on or something like that and it was the complete opposite it the people I needed to be around me showed up lifted me up and now I'm just like so jazzed by finding those people all over the place and you know it, it's kind of funny cuz like I find people that I have good energy with and then I, I get excited about telling them what I'm struggling about. <laughs> I don't bitch to them, but I do tell them I'm struggling with things and then they give me tips. Yeah. Well, and you know, and you can't do this alone. And that's probably the, the greatest misnomer in masculinity. Well, really humanity is like, we have this weird idea, like you have to do it on your own. And I'm always like, nobody great has ever done anything by themselves. You can't name them. And as fucked up as it sounds, like even the worst people who have ever done the worst things, they had a team of other shitty people helping them. You know what I mean? And it's like, if you think about that and, and I'm, I mean, I'm being crass, let's be clear about that. But you know, if you look at the reality of life, you have to be willing to seek guidance. That's why I have mentors. I have coaches. And, and I think it'd be so fraudulent for me to sit here and coach people if I didn't have a coach. You know what I mean? And and yeah. and I think that there's a lot of, unfortunately, there's a lot of snake oil salesmen in the world, but the reality is you can't do it alone. 
And people have heard that a million fucking times. But there are things you have to do alone. And, and this is where I want to go with this because I think it's really important. There is something about the willingness to suffer that changes your life forever. And, and as I kind of measure my journey, yes, there's, there's the uninvited suffering, the things we are not culpable for, childhood trauma, abuse, homelessness, stealing food, you know, whatever that thing is, knee injuries, fine, whatever, right? We didn't ask for that. We didn't be like, hey, here's my plate, put that shit on there, it looks amazing. That was not a part of the journey for us. But there's the other side of it. We'll be right back, but I wanted to take a quick moment to tell you about the Think Unbroken six-week trauma healing coaching program. If you go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com, you can sign up for the six-week daily Think Unbroken Trauma Healing Coaching Program. In this program, we're going to go over the six principles of healing trauma, adaptation, understanding the impacts of trauma, how to become the hero of your own story, what to do next, and ultimately what it means to be unbroken. For more information about this six-week coaching program, which you can download as an app on your phone and take with you everywhere, no matter where you are in the world, it's interactive. It's built about giving you practical tools that you can use in real time. And if you're ready for what's next in your life, go to coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Again, that's coaching.thinkunbroken.com. Now let's get back to the show. And this is my belief, the side that when in which you introduce suffering, not necessarily physical, but just the emotional element of doing the thing that changes your life forever. Am I totally off base or do you guys completely relate to this? I mean, I have, uh, I'm sure your audience is well aware of cult therapy. I'm sure you've talked about it before, but, but it's the perfect example, I think, of what you're talking about. It's willingly subjecting your body to ridiculously cold temperatures because it helps you. And this is one of my absolute favorite things to do, especially I've battled depression my entire life. One of my favorite things to do when I am depressed to reset my system is to go drop my ass in the lake down the street, no matter how much snow is on the ground. And I sit in there for two, three, four minutes, longer if I can take it, because it resets my body. And by putting myself in that pain, by putting myself in that discomfort, I'm doing a hard thing. I'm overcoming it. I'm overcoming the pain and the fear and all the things that come up. And there's this, it is the 60 seconds of chaos when you're in that water. Your brain just freaks out. It's everything about nature is telling you, get the hell out of here. You're going to die. But for me, I, 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 one day I'm going to set a stopwatch, I swear to God. But 60 seconds in, my entire body, there's just this wave of calm that washes over me. And I, I literally, I just, I feel like I could be in a bathtub right now. I'm so comfortable. This is great. I'm calm. I'm at peace. And it's not until like my hands and my feet are literally just screaming in pain that I'm like, okay, I should probably get out. Now that's, that's probably enough, but it's such an analogy for all of this stuff for me is the more that you subject yourself in a safe way to the pain and, and the challenges and show over and over again that you can overcome them. They start to pile up and be the evidence that you point to. Instead of the voice in your head that you've had since you were six, that tells you what a piece of shit you are and you don't deserve love and you don't deserve to be seen. Now you look back at this pile of evidence of all the hard things you've done and how much you loved yourself and showed up for yourself. Then you can take on the next challenge. When, when the next real thing comes, when the next injury comes, when the next illness comes, the, the death in the family, like whatever the pain is, 
the more you practice that pain, the more prepared you are when the stuff comes that you're not prepared for. So I just think to me, that's, that's the best analogy I can give for, for training for the pain and, and getting through it in a way that's helpful. Yeah. You're talking about resiliency and that's, you know, I, I remember a point in my life where I look back at my life and I would always think, why me? Why did my life suck so bad? Why did I have to go through all of that shit? It's not fair. Um, and to be clear, I thought my life was normal until somebody explained it wasn't. And I was like, oh, most no one, no one else goes through that? Huh, that's funny. And then I was like, looking forward, though, I was like, wait a minute. If I can survive that, if I can get through that and I'm not dead, I'm not in jail, I've got a decent job and I survived all that. Just imagine what I can do compared to the next person. If I tackle something really hard, that's going to further me down the road and, and just make me a better person. My life prepared me for all of the challenges that I'm facing now to be a better person, be a better dad, just generally be better. And it's resiliency. And I didn't realize it until I made that shift of woe is me to I'm going to go tackle whatever the fuck I want. One of the things I, I think about is that life for unfortunately for many of us sets us up for failure. We get no choice in the family we're born into the neighborhood, the financial, the finances, the the ethnicity the sex the gender nothing like you just one day you're like oh shit wait i'm you're you become conscious and aware right it's like ai turning on one day you're like seven and you're like whoa what the fuck's going on here and and because of that and not being set up and especially if you come from a traumatic background looking and witnessing what i believe to be true is that we learn through the experiences that we have and one of the biggest aspects of healing and becoming the person you are is unlearning what you learned and effectively ingraining and embedding new software into yourself through being surrounded by different people, different ideas, coaching, seminars, books, podcasts, music, whatever, right? One of the things, and, and this might come out of left field, so feel free to take a moment and process what I'm about to ask you. As men who are married and have children, how does that work? And the reason that I'm asking you this is because from my perspective growing up and from many men, we, we witness single mothers, we witness abusive parents, uh, the relationships that we have, the baseline of those is violence and yelling and screaming and hurt and pain and suffering. And so as you go on this journey and, and I look at you too and I go, these guys are ending that generational trauma thing, right? How the hell do you actually do that? Like, how do you have intimacy? How do you have fatherhood? How do you have love, compassion, joy, hope, all of those aspects of the things that we weren't taught that we so desperately need as men? For me, you're right. I might need a second, but I, I know for me, it has been the the childhood that I had and the parents that I had. I don't blame them for it. They, they, they really took what they had learned from their parents and did the same thing with me. And I just feel like we're living in a different time. Like, you know, I can go to YouTube. I have resources all over the place on how to be a better dad, how to be a better husband, how to be 
a better person in, in whatever um, part of my life I want to be in. And it's the curiosity that I had and the, the pain and struggling that I had when I was a child that has really flipped it for me. And I don't know about Jeremy, but my natural tendency, so I'm a guy, but I'm naturally empathetic. Like I'm naturally drawn to my emotions. I'm naturally drawn. And I was the weird kid growing up because of that. And I had to pretend to be the manly man. So I really, for me, I just really embraced that. And I look at my daughter and I go, wow, I love that girl to death. I need to be better. I need to do things right. And for her, you know, I had to break the chain. So I showed her, you know, modeled what it was like to treat another woman the way I think she should be treated. So that's the way I've always treated my wife and really tried to just model all of that, like good, healthy relationship with, with anyone that I'm working with and explain to her, like my daughter's 10 and I am so open with her about the truth and reality of the world. Like she goes to school and her teachers are like, Oh, wait a minute. You're supposed to be playing with dolls. You're not supposed to be talking about, you know, these great big concepts that, that even adults avoid. Um, so I really just tried to model what I felt was being a good person to my family, to my daughter, And as bad as this sounds, I use my parents as examples for me. What they are is the complete opposite of what I want to be. So any decision I make, would my mom do this? Yes. Well, I can't do that. Like I need to flip the script on it. I think first, I feel like I should acknowledge that, you know, I'm, I'm coming from a place of pretty extreme privilege compared to everyone in this room or, or in this conversation, because I had your standard, you know, uh, garden variety trauma growing up. I had the alcoholic dad and the arguments and the divorce and compared to what you guys have been through, like my life's been a cruise. So let me just start there. But with that in mind, I got a ton of shit that that, 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 uh, ruined for me and, and put all the voices in my head that have made this a much tougher journey than it needed to be. And so I think for me, a lot of it comes back to sort of what we've been talking about here is just the willingness to be vulnerable, the willingness to tell my kids I fucked up and I'm sorry when I, when I fuck up and to just show them that I'm, I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm not perfect. I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm trying to figure this out. I didn't have a great guidebook growing up. Like Zach, I have a lot of examples of what not to do. Literally, I think up until maybe two years ago, I was haunted by the fact that I'm going to become my ancestors. I'm going to like one day I'm just going to wake up and I'm just going to make all the same mistakes they did. And I know now that that's not going to happen. Some of that came when I decided to stop drinking. I mean, I was I was not an alcoholic by any means. It was uh, I, I used alcohol to to manage my emotions and to manage the the fear and the pain. And when I put that down, that was the biggest step I took away from be, becoming my ancestors and becoming the people that, that came before me. And since then, every step has been a further step away. So I don't have that fear anymore. And that, you know, it, it's, it's that thing where you, you sort of create the life that you're constantly thinking about. So if I'm constantly thinking, I'm not going to become that person, everything you do takes you toward becoming that person. And so since I'm able to not do that anymore, I can focus more on you know, what feeling is my kid having right now and how can I help them through it? What, what pain are they experiencing and how can I guide them through that? What have I learned on my own journey that I can share with them? And so much of it is just 
you know, and, and I suck at it. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I suck. at. I try really hard. And there are days when I just, I'm not good at it. And, and I regret those days. And I end every one of those days with guys. Sorry. I, I should have done better today. I, I wasn't the dad you needed today. And I'm sorry. I never heard that growing up that that's not something that previous generations you, you did not show that you didn't have it all figured out and that there, that was not part of the deal. So for me, a lot of it just comes back to just the same thing I'm trying to do with everybody else. Just share who I am, share that I'm a learning and, and flawed person like everyone else and that I'm doing my best to, to teach them how to do better than me. You know, my dad always said, you know, that uh, his, his dad beat him. And since he never hit us, that he raised the bar. Well, he did. Not very high, but he did. Uh, so now I'm trying to do what I can to lift it as high as I can. Yeah, that, that's powerful and, and admirable. And, and both of you, that's incredible. And thank you for the willingness to share that. And, and Jeremy, you know, I think very often people will compare, and I'm sure Zach, you get this too. They go, it was never as bad as your dude. My life, my childhood was a goddamn movie. Like no one, I don't know anyone who had a worse childhood than me so, like, to, to compare would be very, very asinine. But you know, all those things as experiences of our life, they impact us. You know, we are, we are the sum total of everything that's ever happened to us leading up till today. And to dismiss any of that, I, I think, is, is, is to the error of possibility because I think that even though those things suck, we have to be able to look at them, whatever they may be, no matter how big or how little, and recognize the truth of the impact of all the experiences of our life shaping who we are today. And, and as I get deeper into this entire journey, like I sit here and I have these conversations with incredible people like you, and I, I more and more reinforces this idea that we are simply having this human experience. Yeah. None of us really know what we're doing. We, we try our best based on what we think that thing is supposed to be towards the life we think we want to create. And I have come to find more often than not, it's not until you're actually in the moment of the thing that you thought you wanted that you can actually decipher whether or not it's the thing you wanted or not. Mm -hmm. and, and that's what's so fascinating about this journey. It's iteration. It's you're literally just trying again and again and again. And, and so huge applause for both of you for continuing to just try again. You both use a word that I want to ask you a question about that I think is really important, especially as guys having this conversation. You both use the word love. Talk to me about the role that love has played in your lives. Wow. How much time do we have? <laughs> Let's see. No, I... I Joking aside, I, I, I grew up absolutely hating myself and well into my 20s, um, just absolutely thought I was a miserable person. Everyone told me I was a miserable person, that I was, you know, worthless. And I had no self-respect. I had no self-love. And, you know, it, you can't love other things if, if you're not loving yourself. Like, you just don't have the the capacity in my mind. And it was, took a lot of time. It didn't happen overnight. But I've turned it around. And, you know, I do love myself. And Jeremy and I have talked about it so many times. Regardless of what your goals are, like, wherever you want to go, whatever you want to get better, just sitting with yourself and acknowledging 
that you're okay right where you are. It might not be perfect, but you're okay. And just accept it and love it unconditionally. It, it just, it sets you free and it allows you to move beyond that and achieve the goals and the things that you want to do. And, you know, I, I just don't feel like I would be able to love my daughter or love my family or love my friends the way that I love them. Like to the point of tears, like I feel love and, and like, I understand why people cry sometimes when they love so hard back when I hated myself, I just didn't understand it. I didn't get loving someone else until I could figure it out for myself and be okay with who I was and love myself. And I, I got to say, like, just love yourself. Be okay with who you are. Things will get better and accept that. And I think Jeremy will echo, it all starts with being okay with who you are and accepting who you are. Yes. I'll also say that I have moments when I accept myself where I am and who I am more than others. I think I do think loving myself is still a work in progress. I don't know that I can say that I'm there. It's really been through the process of, of creating the family that I am fortunate to live with that, uh, that I can even talk with any experience or, or authority on love because before I met my wife, I didn't know what it was. I, I didn't know what a relationship was supposed to be like. I, everything that I put into any relationship was following the same toxic, shitty patterns that, that my family had shown me or, or whatever, whatever bullshit Hollywood stuff put out there. But it wasn't until uh, I found the calm and the peace in the love that I have for my wife that I started to get what it is. It's not this frantic, jealous, where is she now, thinking about her every minute, who's she with, what's she doing, oh my God, like, how do I control this so that I don't have to have this fear? It's this trust and just knowing that that person is there and cares about me and loves me and even though I don't know that I can say I love myself yet. I know she, I know she does. And sometimes I need that to get through whatever the hard moment is when, when I'm particularly not loving myself, just knowing that someone else does is enough. Fast forward to when I had now two kids, you want to know what love is. Meet your kids. When, when you have kids that look at you and the way my kids do, I mean, I don't deserve them. I don't. They're, those kids are better kids than I ever thought someone like me could have. And so when, uh, when they, on their own, just uh, spontaneously say I love you, shatters me. Like I, I'll tell them and they'll say, I love you too. Cause it's the thing, your pattern, it's the pattern you follow. It's what you do. But when my six year old out of nowhere just says, daddy, I love you floored. I'm just, it just rocks me. Um, so that's what love is to me. It's, it's the thing that you strive for to give to yourself. And when you can't, you have to lean on 
it being given by those around you that do. And you have to know that it's real. You can't listen to the voice that says, oh, well, they just love you because of the mask that you put on, because of who you show them who you are. They know who you are. So trust that. Trust when someone tells you they love you, because they do. Unless they're just a fucking horrible person that's trying to manipulate you, I guess. (laughs) But the people close to you, when they use that kind of language, you got to listen. Man, that's that's so powerful. And uh, I, I resonate with that so much because I look at that being the reason I asked that question is because I, I look at that as my my journey being the biggest struggle. Like all the other things had always been like quitting smoking was easier than being loved. Losing 150 pounds was easier than being loved. Building businesses was easier than being loved. And then you sit here and you go, man, but none of that shit actually matters as much as the moment when you sit with it and you accept that someone else cares about you. And I, I think that's one of the hardest. I, I, actually, I'm going to go ahead and just say it. It's probably the hardest thing that you will do in this journey of healing. I just don't know anything more difficult. So I have massive appreciation for both of you being willing to go in there with that left field question. Um, before I ask you my last question, can you tell everyone where they can find you? Yeah, everything you need to know about us, you'll find at our website. It's the fit mess. Dot com. It's a fit mess with an M. So fit mess, the fit mess.com. Brilliant. And of course we'll put the links in the show notes for all the unbroken nation to find gentlemen. This has been an absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal conversation before I ask you this. I just want to say again, thank you for being here. And I think that when we come together as men, especially in this kind of vulnerable context, we can create massive change in the world. So I have a great amount of admiration and appreciation My last question for you, my friends, is what does it mean to you to be unbroken? To me, it's beginning this journey. The minute you start, you're you're getting out the glue and you're fixing all the cracks. You're fixing all the stuff that you thought was broken about you. And accepting, man, it's hard, but accepting that you're not broken, that you are where you need to be, wherever you are on the journey, to be unbroken is to recognize that you're not broken and that you're willing to put in the hard work and face the fear and face the trauma and face all the stuff and just start taking it one step at a time to get to a place where hopefully one day you accept yourself all day long and eventually can honestly say you love yourself. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, uh, I'll add a little bit. I, you know, with my past, I, I said it earlier, I could have, I had every opportunity to be dead or to be in prison for the rest of my life. And I was walking that line and it was bad. It it was just really bad. And for me, it's, you're never, I mean, unless, unless you are truly gone, you're never so broken that you can't put yourself back together. You can always make a choice to fix it and get better. Um, again, like I, I should have been in dead or in jail on so many occasions and I chose a different way. So for me, that's unbroken. Beautifully said, my friends, thank you so much for being here. Unbroken nation. Thank you so much for listening. Please like subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends be unbroken. I'll see ya. Unbroken Nation, hope that you just got a tremendous amount of value from today's episode. I want to know 
what you think. Please do me a favor and review, rate, and share the episode with three friends on social media today. It would mean the world if you did, because ultimately at the end of the day, creating community and connection is how we heal generational trauma in the world. And I need your help to do that on Broken Nation. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are, please like, comment, share, review. I want to know not only what you like about the show, but how I can make the show better, how I can make this further about helping you on your healing journey. So do me a favor. And when you do shoot me a screenshot of you making the review to my DM at Michael Unbroken on Instagram so that I can have a conversation with you, say hi, and more importantly, so I can share it with the Unbroken Nation. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a wait list for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.